0: Heather Noble and me Tracy Jones
1: and this week we thought we'd revisit a company that we've spoken about on the show previously because it's all over the news. Over the last few weeks there's even an article out earlier this week as well about another scandal and we're talking about BrewDog and particularly about something that's been described as a rotten workplace culture. Heather, they are First article I read was a few weeks ago now, and it was to do with a, a campaign group that had been set up by some 60 former employees of BrewDog. And uh, it sort of rolled on and on, this story. It's not going away,
0: is it? No. The thing is, I, I think the reason that we were first going to talk about it is because it appeared that BrewDog were dealing with it in quite a grown-up way. Yeah. Um But then you know a, a couple of weeks have, have passed, and and as you say, this group of people, a hundred or so people, have, have got a website called Punks with Purpose, and they've written an open letter. To I Brujal. tell you what, Heather, it's a, a really good indication
1: of how valuable purpose is for people doing a good job. They've got a purpose, and they're doing it really well.
0: Yeah, and yeah. no, absolutely. Absolutely, and I mean, anybody who when well, you it's you can basically <laughs> just google it and you'll, you will find a copy of the letter. Um, and it, I just think it's really sad because when we've talked about Brewdog in the past and we we um we profiled James Watt, he's yeah. one of the founders, he we spoke very it. highly of it, didn't we? Yeah, 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 and their sort of innovative, their quirky way, their sense of humour, yeah, um. But actually, this letter is suggesting that it's not actually all that it seems.
1: Yeah, so their, their quirky sense of humour is um, largely how they market their products and, and the company as a whole. Um, but what's at the core of these complaints is a, um, a culture that's sexist and misogynistic. And also, interestingly enough, um, and this is also in the article um, that I read earlier this week, is that they're they're laying um, some doubt um, on the sustainability of some of the the messages that are going out there about the environmentally uh, friendly, eco-friendly ales. And also, um, I think the the article that I read this week was about, um, um, was it some golden can
0: that was actually found to be was it steel rather than gold, it's bronze, yeah, bronze gold plated. So, yeah. yeah, these golden cans were out and about amongst a particular type of beer. And if you found one, in fact, a guy in Shropshire found one really, um, and it just was, down the road from where we're recording, yeah, yes, yes, li- yeah, literally. Well, we are in Shropshire, oh, good Point, recording. Yes. <laughs> yes, so this county, yes, um, and So it basically said that the can would be was worth fifteen thousand pounds and that it was solid gold. It turned out it was bronze, and a gold plate on it, um, and at best worth about five hundred pounds. So this guy was a bit perplexed. So then and a bit miffed and a bit miffed, yeah. yeah. Um, And then Brewdog was sort of coming back and saying, "Well, no, we didn't actually say that it was the gold. It's the whole." the manufacture of it, you know, the placing of it, you know, it's kind of. Co- I think there's six in the country or something. So whether they've decided it's that, isn't yeah, yeah, like the golden ticket. Yes, yeah, um, and, and 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 I mean the letter itself is really well crafted. It's a, it, you know, it's it's not a mudslinging, rant, disgruntled yeah. rant. No, it it's actually very well crafted, um, and. You know, and, and they talk about, you know, the stories um, that, you know, that, that are put out there with a PR machine for dog, But then actually, those are things that, that haven't really happened. Hmm. And and they're not even put out there as a... I mean, they use one example of saying that they changed their name to... Elvis James and Martin changing their names to Elvis. Now, I know that sounds a bit like juvenile, but if you said that that's what you've done and you haven't, you know, kind of what's the point... What's the point of saying it? Yes, yeah. Um, And they also talked about um, uh, an employee of the month programme and uh, and paternity leave that isn't actually, uh, poor paternity leave, they're calling it, um, which staff just can't take. So there's this whole, this is what we do, but actually, if you work for them, they don't do it.
1: Yeah, and and I think they've sort of been hung by their own petard, really, because they've used controversy to promote themselves. So they use social media and they've stirred up controversy with stories and the way that they put themselves across on social media. And then now they're the brunt of it, you know, yes. they're sort of... They're not able to um, come back from that. Without them leading the story, it seems that even the apology from the company um, has been sort of seen as a non-apology. Yeah. There was no substance to the apology, according to um, Punks with Purpose, Um, and it's made them even more angry, really.
0: Yeah, yeah, it has. Um, they They end the letter. They say that you know there's a passage that is specifically aimed at James. Um, and they talk about, you know, people have been left burnt out, afraid, miserable. Um, it, they say that, you know, you claim that the buck stops with you, but you don't, you don't look at the team you've built around you and admit that some of them are actually afraid that their next mistake could be their last one. Then they write a paragraph aimed at the people who are still working at BrewDog. Um, and, you know, as, essentially saying to them, you don't, you don't have to put up with that you know you don't have to ignore health and safety uh you um you are you don't have to deal with this shit basically uh and I think that's quite interesting but it's interesting that because
1: it's offering support to those people that are still there because um from what I understand that a lot of people have suffered some mental health issues as a result of this culture and I think that's it's a very thoughtful thing for the former employees to do
0: with the existing employees. Go moving on to the apology. So, and and this is kind of why, it, as as we said, this is why it caught our eye. And I thought it was going to be a a real positive story. You know, so here's this thing that's happened, and they've taken it on the chin, and this is what they're doing to, um, to make recompense and all of those types of things. But it seems from the Twitter sphere, hmm. um, that one of the things that they did was they've written they've written a letter and asked employees who work within the business to sign if they're in agreement with the content of that letter. Yeah. And I don't know that... Because if you've are. got a culture of fear, then actually, mm-hmm. um, how are you going to... Yeah, you're going
1: to feel pressured you're to gonna sign this, are they? So
0: yeah. I don't know. I don't know how... If it's actually... You know, he said, we aren't going to make excuses. We're going to take action. Um, And he says, you know, we can't allow social media posts to go by without putting out our own perspective. Fair enough. Um, And he says, a group of unhappy employees cannot dictate to the world what it is like to work at BrewDog in 2021.
1: Mm. However, your employee experience becomes your culture and becomes your customer experience as well. You, You can't separate it from from the company the culture is across everything it's in your brand it's in your customers it it leaks out to your suppliers even so I think it's a bit difficult to just try and narrow it down to a disgruntled group of employees isn't
0: it? Well yeah Brewdog has got a personality hasn't it? Yeah of its own making of its own making yeah yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know the names of the beers and you know all different things like that so it's all it's very very clever but I don't. It's really difficult when you when you see people. I mean, you know, they they must have a PR machine that's working with them. When you see people who are whose work, whose job it is to build reputation and manage reputation, and then they don't follow through with what's going on internally. It's just a
1: total. Also, it doesn't feel very honest, does it? The the way it's been approached, and people can really sense that that's the sense that you're not being totally genuine with it they might feel that they are but certainly the uh, like you say you pick up on social media the perception is that they haven't been dealt with this in a very honest way i, I would point you towards a really good article on linkedin a lady called claire de souza who describes herself as an employer brand and recruitment marketing specialist. Um, and she talks through this whole episode mm-hmm. really well. Um, and right at the end, she says, what can companies learn from this? She says, being honest and truthful matters. And if there are issues with the culture, take the time to address and fix it instead of deflecting or trying to hide it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think uh, that's yeah,
0: you know, spot on.
1: Yeah, uh, know that each and every one of your employees has a voice because they do. Yeah, I mean, even if it was just one disgruntled employee, that spreads.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and and then what does it say about the culture anyway? And I, I think if I was running the business and I thought there was a a poor culture like that, I'd actually would want to address it. I'd, I'd be looking at myself and wondering what was
0: happening. Well, I guess uh, I'm not defending them at all but I guess what's difficult isn't it is that you you set up a business and then it grows you know and it grows rapidly and it, you know and, and you've invested in the, the whole look and feel and personality and then you bring in people to run that business for you because you no longer that's not best use of your yeah. time and so then you've potentially got this layer of people who may be yes men and women yeah and are Saying yeah, yeah, we'll deliver what you want at any cost. So you know, where does you know where does where where does the bullying or the um, the fear what what layer does that come in? Yeah, Uh, also it could be. Well, we've
1: seen we've talked about this before, haven't we? Where your business grows. And then this other level of management comes in with values completely different yeah. to the uh, the founders. Mm-hmm. And that's a really difficult one to manage as yeah. well. And to be fair to Brewdog um, the, and and to the employees, we're only reading this story third, fourth, fifth, yes. sixth hand, aren't we? Yeah. So we, we, we can only guess at what's actually happened in reality. Um, the employees, very clear and very vocal, ex-employees, very clear and very vocal about their experience. And... James Watt, um, to to give him credit, has done a lot of interviews and he is saying that he will do better and, and that um, he will be better. Um, but I think the company as a brand isn't coming out of it terribly well.
0: No, I mean, we have to hope that behind the scenes, there are a few people getting their backsides kicked and there's some training going on about how to treat people properly, yeah. you know, how to get the best out of people in order to grow the business. But I am a bit concerned with the, going back to the whole can thing, where, as I said, they, so the Advertising Standards Agency are investigating uh, because um, what they're actually saying was the 15,000 pound value was reasonable based on multiple factors, including, and this is what I was saying earlier, the manufacturing price, the metal and quality of the product, and that the cans were collectible items with a value somewhat detached from the cost of materials. Well, that's somewhat (laughs) somewhat detached. Yes, I mean, 500 quid to 15,000 quid. You know, how long would you need to keep that can for?
1: And it's the way you say it, isn't it? If if you're led to believe that you get this can, it has a value to Mm -hmm. you of 15,000 pounds. And that's, yeah, it cost us (laughs) 15,000 pounds to to make this and and give it to you, but actually it's only worth 500. That's a a whole different proposition. And I never saw any of the marketing, but you imagine it would have implied that the value is the fifteen thousand yeah. pounds for the actual can yeah. that you're holding, yeah. not yeah. some potential future, um, you know, sort of collectibles value,
0: yeah,
1: or whatever other value. Or whatever, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I, 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 yeah. I don't know. It, I, I think it's it's unfortunate that these these two things coincide. Co- yes, yeah. Yeah, so they're having a bad month, aren't they? Now, whether it's because Maybe these people wouldn't, or these particular individuals wouldn't have complained if it hadn't been for the fact that Brewdog was on the radar as being, you know, not quite all that it seemed. So then they go, right? Well, yeah, actually, bandwagon. Let's, let's jump on. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but. It, 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 seems, it is a real shame. Yeah. It is a real shame.
1: It seems like a, a collision rather than a coincidence, doesn't mm. it? Yeah, So, yeah, um, yeah we, we've always admired what they've done previously and a little bit disappointing with this story. And I do hope that they sort it out. Yeah, yeah. there's, there's too much good stuff there to, to lose out on poor culture. But let that be a lesson to anybody who runs a company. You know, the culture is so, so important and it isn't just... One employee. No, and...
0: It it, it applies across everything yes. that you do. And as you said, you know, a while ago, this group of people have got together, they've got a beef, they've got a website. They've got a purpose. They've got a purpose, and it's out there, you know, and, and in the same way that, you know, businesses like to think that they benefit from, you know, Googling and seeing what people are up to on Facebook before they give somebody a job in case it turns out that, you know... That something less than desirable about them. Well, it kind of works both ways.
1: Does yeah,
0: and particularly
1: now, you know, we've talked about the future of work and how retention and recruitment more difficult. People are going to do those searches on Glassdoor and see how yeah. um, how ex and current employees uh, rate them. So yeah, pay attention, everybody. So you mentioned health and safety before. Yes, and. Uh, the subject we're going to review is the stress, um, the whole stress section on their HSE websites and stuff. Um, my particular interest has come from the fact that I've recently implemented the stress monitoring tool in the workplace. And we've, we've started to do that, rolled that out and have planned to repeat it every year so that we will have a benchmark as to where workplace stress is Um but I also last week attended a, a webinar so this was sort of after the fact because I ran my survey back in March and it was only uh, last week that there was this webinar that the HSE hosted but I thought it wouldn't do any harm to have a refresh and be prepared for next year and actually I was surprised to see how much They've developed the stress um, monitoring tool and how many more resources are on their website. So I really thought it should be given a bit of a shout out because uh, there's a massive amount of resource freely available. There is some paid resource on there, but a lot of the stuff that the HSE has got available is absolutely free and I reckon you should take advantage of it.
0: Yeah, it, I, I wasn't aware of it, uh, it and uh, I've been having a look at it. It's really easy to... Oh, I don't know wh- how you felt about rolling it out and implementing it, but it yeah. looks really easy to understand. So there's a there's a booklet about, you know, how to tackle work-related stress, and it looks about, you know, what, what helps available and, you know, identify the risks and all of these different things. And you go, okay, yeah, very often you'll find things like this and uh, uh, record your findings, and you go, yeah, 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 yeah of course, yeah. that's bleeding obvious. Um, but actually what they then do is they start to, they tell you what the standards are, yeah. So what you should be monitoring, what questions you should be asking, and then they give you the Excel spreadsheets within which to record that data, and the tabs are all set up so that you can compare year on year. Yeah. Uh, and that that's a he- that would be a really big piece of work for somebody in your business, yeah. to put in place. Well, for a start, um, having done statistics
1: at uni, okay, um, and also you know touched on um, surveys, how. An art it is it's a real yeah. art yeah. and science and you can very easily design a survey that tells you absolutely nothing yeah. at all yeah. so to try and design those questions yourself the possibility is that the data you get back is of no value yeah. so there's 35 questions in the survey and they you know they they are all spot on there's no
0: gray areas in terms of how you should answer that I very well designed yeah you're spot on there with the sunday times best companies survey if if you ask a question in a certain way you, yes you'll get an answer but when you ask the question you think you know what answer yeah you know, what answers you're going to get but actually somebody answering the question there if their interpretation is different and there are inconsistencies you haven't got the answer to the questions that you thought you'd got, yeah. but 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 you believe now that everybody's happy or everybody's chilled when in actual fact that's not the case. Yeah. So that's dangerous then because you then don't do anything about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and also um, it's a waste of everybody's time. Mm. You know, if mm. you're if you're in the middle of answering a questionnaire where it's ambiguous, you're not sure how to answer it, you're not really going to give it your, your full effort, no. are you? No. Right. And I'm pleased to say that we had um, we had a hundred percent participation with it, and um, it, you know it, it gave us. Because I had nothing to compare it to. It was very difficult mm. to say, you know, this is good, bad, and I'd, or, or indifferent. And one of the things that I felt was lacking when I did it was there's no external benchmarks. Yeah. So not enough people had done it so that it was published and you could go, OK, this is how I compare to the outside world. So all I could do is do it this year. With the plan to do it the following year and the following year so that I create my own benchmark. But in the webinar I attended last week, they talked about the fact that they are going to be publishing some benchmarks. And that again would be an incredibly valuable thing yeah. so that you can actually see uh, this is I think it's
0: good, but let me just compare it to where everybody else is. And not only that, again with the Sunday Times, so we used to we used to sell benchmark reports. So you could look at um same sector or across the whole list or across the top 10 so you know is it you want you would want to bench your, benchmark yourself against manufacturing you wouldn't really want to benchmark yourself against hospitality for yeah. argument's sake and as they gather more and more data and and, and get people to um, share that data but I think the other thing that they do, so they they um, so there's the manual. They talk about the sample ratio. So depending on how many staff you've got, yeah, is it all of your staff or is it twenty percent of your staff? Or so how to calculate that? They even give you a cover letter that you can circulate to your staff to explain what's going on. Yeah, and then they give you a checklist, um, and then as I've said, they give you some how to tackle work-related stress. So it's a complete one-stop yeah. shop. And,
1: and that's really important, isn't it, as well? Um, they, they actually follow it up with, okay, so these are your results, now you need to now look at it. Yeah. And, and and they focus on, particular. so all of the 35 questions are separated into different categories. Mm-hmm. So what are the demands on the, of the job, for example? How much control do you feel you have over the job? And they're, and they're dotted through the um, questionnaire, and then when you do the analysis you bring them all together so when i was reporting this back to the management team and i reported it to workforce as well because obviously i wanted them to know you know the snapshot that we'd taken it was very simple for me to put it in a graph form yeah. and just say that like, these are the this is demands and this is how you responded to how you felt uh, demands and how supported you are by your line managers and you know how well you get on with your peers and things like that. So um, it it was literally all done for you, apart from distributing the questionnaire, collecting it back in, and then you know actually presenting the data. It literally was you know, all the structure was there. All it's the ideas. The
0: yeah. It was well, brilliant. Things, I couldn't quite um, get my head around. So in terms of confidentiality. Yeah. So how, with the distribution of the survey. How is that working? Are people getting a link and they just go online or yeah? So
1: originally we were going to do it um, we, we had a number of workshops on mental health planned and there were going to be hard copies available at the end. And because these groups were going to be small, I obviously didn't want to see them because I'd know you know yeah. which groups had given in yeah. that information. So to make it confidential, it was going to be a big post box and then at the end of all of these different workshops I'd collect um, all the forms out of the post box. As it happened, um, we were in lockdown, we couldn't do all the face to face groups, and so we did them all online. But I did set, I set up a, um, a Microsoft Forms questionnaire, and as somebody pointed out, well, nothing's totally confidential in IT. I did point out that I neither have the time. Uh, the inclination, nor the skill, to actually find out the IP address of who submitted that questionnaire. But I did do it as an anonymous questionnaire. Um, And so it was, from my perspective, completely anonymous, because everybody was just then invited to go um, and fill in the questionnaire. I asked them to do it straight away after they'd done um, the workshop, but I didn't look at the answers until I'd done all
0: of the workshops. Right okay so you waited yes yeah, so yeah i explained yeah and i
1: explained this to them as well how it would be confidential because i think that's really important mm. you know if somebody's saying that they're um if they feel that the line manager isn't a very good manager they don't really want that to be
0: yeah
1: well, especially know... if they work at Brewdog. <laughs> yeah certainly if they work at Brewdog, um, dog they want to feel that it's confidential mm. so i i did um because it was sort of introduced in the wellbeing workshops that we did, I was able, I had the time to explain to them, you know, where this is coming from. And it's was on, following on from a, um, a corporate um, engagement questionnaire that we'd already done. So they might be thinking, why are you repeating this? And we, we've um, had to explain that it's because we wanted the local picture, you know, the local voice. And yeah. this is completely anonymous. We haven't got to report it anywhere. We're not reporting it Um to, head to the office. rest of the group, to yeah. head office. This yeah. is completely just for our own use. Yeah. And I, I think it was important to make that point as well so they, they didn't think there was an agenda attached to it.
0: And you could spend a lot of money on getting a, a consultancy firm in to do this. Yeah. So to be able to do it. And as long as you are confident enough in how you manage the process, and uh, yes, there's a guide, you know, but as long as you're confident enough about the confidentiality yeah. and how you actually feed the information back yeah there's sure a way you, you could do that wrong yeah isn't there? And, well yeah firstly is to make sure you do feed the information back yeah. because sometimes you know ma- management get the information and then they don't share it with the workforce yeah and it's like no this is this is what we're hearing and this is what and, we're going to do is about what we're gonna do it we're going to do about yeah. it and then do something about it obviously
1: yeah and uh, that's quite important isn't yeah. it if, if that prompts you to take action and you you um you create an action plan, you really should be reporting on how you're getting on with that action yeah. plan as well. So I would say it, it is quite a big task because it isn't just about sending out the questionnaire and, and then getting it back and going, oh, that's very nice. You have actually, there's some follow-up work yeah. to do with it as well. Yeah.
0: But but as, we, is we, as is always the case with something like this, don't start it if you're not going to go through with it. Yeah. Because the last thing you want it don't ask don't ask questions if you don't want to know the answer um and don't ask questions if you aren't going to feedback to your staff because they'll just next time you ask them they'll go well what's the point because we never hear we never get any feedback on what happened yeah
1: absolutely so yeah go and take a look at the hsc website Um, even if you don't use their um their tool their monitoring tool Go and have a look at some of the resources. There's an awful lot there. Guides for line managers on how to handle stress. Um, you know how to notice signs of stress, mm. and and some resources that you can hand out to your staff as well. So it's a, you know, it's a, in fact the whole website's brilliant. But
0: this is a, yeah. particularly looking at yeah, stress. This section. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm grateful that you pointed it out because I think it
1: is a brilliant resource. Okay. So profile this week is somebody whose book we've. <laughs> profile previously. <laughs> you laugh. <laughs> um, we can't remember why we chose um, Cal Newport, apart from maybe I saw the book on your desk and went, yeah, let's talk about Cal Newport, because we've already, last April, I think he said, yes. we um, did a review of Deep Work. We One, quite yes. liked it, didn't One we? One of his books, yeah So we yeah. thought we'd take a look at Calvin C. Newport, known as Cal Newport, and he's an author and a professor of computer science. And probably, having said that, can safely say, probably wouldn't have been somebody we would ordinarily have picked out um, to profile. No. No, I don't... Well... (laughs) The fact that his books relate to the workplace, that that is perhaps... um, But uh, we wouldn't have searched out a a professor of computer science necessarily... But his books, um, or a number of his books, are very valid for the workplace. So his most recent one, A World Without Email. Yes. That's uh, this year, in, oh, interesting. This year, yeah, yeah, that's this year. Yeah. Last year was The Time Block Planner um before that digital minimal he's he's got a book a year so far digital minimalism choosing a focused life in a noisy world oh and then we go back to 2016 with deep work which is the book that we reviewed um last april
0: and his writing career seems to span 16 years because the first book he wrote was how to win at college so (laughs) i feel like you know maybe there's going to be something about being a parent it's you know, like how to retire. Yes, eventually. yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's got it all spanned exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We, we, we both did our research, and then when we when we came together to to record this, we both said, "Why are we, why are we reviewing this gentleman?" Yeah, it's no negative on
1: Cal Newport. No, 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 no. Um, but um, it it wasn't um, it wasn't. What should we say? Oh,
0: I don't... I want to be polite here. Well, there's not much about him and... and Yeah, him as a person. As a person. Yeah. And we, we quite like finding out about people, don't we? Yeah, a bit nosy like
1: yes, that, are yes. So we do know he was born in 1982 Yeah, and that he's American and that um, he did um, a postdoctoral... Um, in in MIT in the computer science department and his grandfather was John Newport, a theologian and Baptist minister. That's courtesy of Wikipedia. His website's a bit better um, and I think it's worth taking a look at his website if you're interested in the subjects of his books particularly. So he does talk about all of the main subjects, the world without email, digital minimalism, deep work, in quite a bit of detail on his website. And, and um, you can dig in and, and find links to his uh, there's his blog there and his podcast. Um, I did listen to his podcast, mm-hmm. but I'm afraid to say it was on the back of listening to a sketch by John Finnemore in... <laughs> <laughs> It's a whole other story, why I'm listening to lots and lots of sketches by John That That's something else that's going on in my life. Um, But there's this one particular sketch that really made me laugh before I listened to Cal Newport's podcast. But it was a bit of a piss take on American podcasts. Um, (laughs) and. Rather unfairly, I thought, you know, he was, it, it used like a, a drolly American voice and then the adverts that are advertising pretty weird things. And I laughed, but, you know, moved on. And then I think I, a, a few episodes down, they repeated the joke again. So yeah, that reinforced it then probably the day after I listened to Cal Newport's podcast and oh my god the voice was the same <laughs> as on the piss take by John Finimore and there, there were the placements for the adverts which are exactly the same and so I really apologize Cal you got mixed up with the piss take by John Finimore and after that I, I just wasn't listening to the podcast but he does go into quite a bit of detail on a number of subjects in the podcast and it's worth delving into
0: I think I think the clever thing about his podcast is that so he does a podcast each week um on a Monday I think it is and then on a Thursday he gets people to write in deep questions deep questions yes um and and so he'll so you can actually scroll through his. It, it's a list, so it's really convenient. You can scroll through his podcast, and you might see a question. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, c- can I live without email? You know, or could I live without email? Or it, often relevant yeah. to his.
1: And it takes time to answer yes. it fully, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. He's not glib, and he doesn't just refer you to his writing. No, no, he no. He does consider the questions yeah. and answer them fully. So.
0: And, and what I would say about him and his the subject matter. Um, and his writing style, and his podcast style. Actually, this is ideal for the sort of brain that exists in quite a binary world. And I don't mean that in a negative way. There are loads of books about, you know, well, we've, crikey, we've reviewed so many of them, and some come come at it from a much more ethereal, you know, well you could try this and you could try that, and here's some things and storytelling and all of that. Whereas he's much more ones uh, and zeros. Yeah, ones <laughs> and zeros. You know, and, um, if you do this, this will happen. So, it, and and that for some people, it's not my preferred approach. But for some people it could be a breath of fresh air because it's just written, constructed in a different way.
1: So you you've got the book Deep Work on your lap yeah, now. Yeah. And the number of post-it notes in there. So is it a book that you've referred to since we reviewed it?
0: Not massively, no. Um, I, I did I the the, the pink post-it um, was actually um, something that I'm doing some work at the moment and looking at productivity and decision making and um, getting the best out of yourself and knowing when's the best time of work for you to work and all and the Pomodoro effect and all of those things Um, and so in he took this chapter he talks about his work deeply so he it's this slightly formulaic idea so he's talking about you know deep work so that's you know that's when you focus and you really get stuck in specifically to a particular thing so he says you know start off by thinking where you're working for how long how you'll do your work once you start to work, how you'll support your work. So, of course, it might be um, a specific location for your deep work efforts where it could be your office with the door shut and a do not disturb sign on the door. You know, Choose this environment where you're going to really focus and try to make sure that, that that's going to happen yeah. you know, and that other people won't affect um, your ability how your work once you start to work so you know it's a bit like thinking about how you're going to think about something yeah um i noticed that edward de bono died a couple of weeks ago i'm doing some stuff around six sinking hats uh-huh. you know one of the, yeah. and the blue hat is about you know okay how are we going to how are we going to approach this and what do we need to yeah. think about and all of that the process yeah the process and then how you'll support your work um, which could be um, you know make sure that you 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 know you get a cup of coffee or you get food or you go for a walk around the block or you take some time away from the screen so it's quite formulaic yeah but I bet it's quite productive like that yeah isn't it? absolutely <laughs>
1: probably more than me yeah, yeah yeah
0: and maybe it's that you know for some of us Yeah, if I could... could, How many times have we said, look, if I could just focus, if I could just get the time, get rid of the interruptions, you know, those of us who, you know, we go into the office early so that the phone isn't ringing and that the email isn't pinging and somebody isn't knocking the door. It's kind of creating that sort of environment consciously and not, you know, and and not... Not just stumbling on it. Yeah, and not apologising for it. So, So, yeah, it's... I think he is an individual quite difficult to find anything out about him yeah but his work uh, he's prolific and there there is this sort of black and white approach which yeah. i think some people really appreciate uh,
1: go and take a look at his website he has got links to contributions he makes to the new yorker and new york times and wired magazines he's a guest on npr um and yeah like we have said he's got his own blog and his own podcast as well um I'm interested to explore a little more in the the, um, world without email. I've not read that book or even touched upon it yet, but uh, I can't even begin to imagine a world without email.
0: Sounds quite nice, though, in some ways, (laughs) doesn't it? It does, and terrifying with equal measure. Do you know the thing I find hardest about email, even after all of this time that we've had email, is how to file emails. (laughs) <laughs> you don't just file them in the bin once they're dealt with you. you I've got gazillions of them, but they're all filed, but I don't know why I keep them. Yeah. I don't know I don't know whether I should have an auto delete after so mu- a certain amount of time.
1: Yeah, because Sud's law says that that email you deleted is the one that you need
0: next yeah, week. Yeah. yeah. I've never I've never found. So if anybody's listening and they've got the genius way to file emails, Especially when you get into the whole when there are about eight people involved in an email, and it's like, oh, which oh, should I just keep the latest version of this? Oh, and then god. somebody's sent you a, an email that isn't on the email thread. So they, oh god! Anyway, I, I digress. <laughs> a world of that emails sounds. But you, we're of an
1: age where we can remember working without emails at all, yes, can't we? Yes. I remember one of my first senior jobs, so it wasn't even my first job, and one of my more senior jobs um, was we were talking about maybe getting a cable all the way across the factory so that we could get email <laughs> at the far end of the factory. And, and it just it just Extendable wasn't a thing. <laughs> well, instead of walking down to the factory, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe I'd slimmer if i haven't invented emails i just walk a bit more anyway that's cal newport go and take a look at his website calnewport.com and uh, while you're at it go and take a look at our website as well the community. that's all we've got time for this week on the business community
0: if you've enjoyed listening to this week's podcast you can find out about all the things that we've talked about over the years at our website which is thebusiness.community.
1: We do hope you'll join us again next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business.